1: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision.
2: Life,
0: Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. We're turning our attention to the biblical concept of faithfulness as a proven strategy for success in transforming culture. It'll be one of the focuses in the Adelaide Church and State Summit that's happening this weekend. Each year, there are significant gatherings called the Church and State Summits. Now, these summits have been instrumental in capturing the imagination of the Christian community, igniting new enthusiasm for engaging in political change. In Adelaide, yes, Adelaide, it is your turn for a Church and State Summit this weekend. It's on Saturday, the 5th of November. It'll be a time when Christians are exposed to Bible teaching and analysis on the relationship between Christians and government to become salt that flavours and light that shines in the public square. Well, our special guest over this next hour, Dave Pello, is the founder of the Church and State Summits. He's also the publisher of the Right Thinking website, The Good Source, and his latest initiative is Lock Press, helping conservative authors self-publish their books. Dave Pellow, a special welcome along to 2020. It's always a pleasure to be described as controversial. I know. Actually, this is interesting because you do thrive a little bit on controversy, and the fact that you're not afraid of being controversial is one of the things that has to mark Christians in this generation, because uh, some of the things we've just been talking about with Christopher here who's going to be one of your guest speakers at the upcoming Church and State Summit in Adelaide, uh, you know, the sorts of controversy that is happening around Australia right now ought to make us all very, very, you know, uh, very, very concerned.
3: Yeah, I don't seek and pursue controversy, but I do seek and pursue truth, and, and controversy is quite often... The contest of truth. It's, it's the debate that rages over uh, a finer point of, of society or theology or culture or policy or law. And, and so, if there's a controversial area of life that uh, Jesus speaks to authoritatively, uh, then let's get in. Um, boots and all. Like, let, let's get in there and actually speak to that controversy because, um, yeah, that's not something to run away from. That's something to run towards. Uh,
0: people need to hear the truth. Running towards the controversy, and there might be listeners who have a thought or two around that, because when you're a Christian, you're governed by a certain level of ethical behavior, which is in light of our almighty God. Uh, that makes us want to deal with these things perhaps in a different way. And so you can get a little bit nervous about how you deal with the controversy when you think that you might be cancelled or uh, there might be all sorts of other actions that others might take. But we'll get into some of that. Just quickly, though, Church and State Summit, it's coming up this Saturday. It's in Adelaide. Uh, Listeners will be able to be a part of that. Um, I know that when people go to a Church and State Summit, so many say, if I'd known it had been this good... I would have invited a whole lot more friends.
3: Yeah, thank you. Uh, good lead-in. It's it's essentially not a political, boring conference, and it's certainly not a cliché Christian conference. It's a it's a really fun hybrid of the two. And so for any Christian who's afraid, you know, I'm not that interested in politics, well, great, because we're going to be talking about the Word of God. We're going to be talking about society, and we're going to be talking about those things which are contested in the public square, uh, the the lies and abuse and oppression of your fellow neighbors whom Jesus commanded you to love. And so if you love your neighbor and you love the Word of God, this is the conference for you. Uh, and likewise, if you're really into politics and not that into religion, uh, well, let me tell you, you have no foundation to build a a policy framework on if you don't believe in objective truth. I mean, any political fo- policy is going to be valid if you can appeal to yourself or just popular opinion. We actually need to seek some kind of of uh, constancy outside of our own lived experience, which is a famous Marxist term for the supremacy of, of humanity. And that's just not true. That's a lie. That's a deceit. Uh, The supremacy is is truth itself, the word of God. And and so if you want to do the best thing for culture and policy possible, uh, the best
0: idea is to agree with God in all areas. Listeners will be able to meet you when they go along to a church and state summit in Adelaide. Uh, you've got a great set of speakers in your lineup. Give us an idea who's going to be on the agenda, who are your sort of keynotes, uh, the sorts of things they might be talking about on the day, Dave.
3: Well, one of the things that we want to do in this conference is appeal to young people, and, and two of the topics that are really in, young people are really engaging with and interested in. Uh, is climate alarmism and gender theory. And so one of the things we're going to do is have a panel. So first, we've got Kira Lee Smith from Binary, who I'm sure you've interviewed a thousand times. Yep. Um, she's going to be doing a, a special keynote on, on on gender theory, critical gender ideas, uh, which essentially are completely opposed to what God says about gender and sexuality. Uh, but following that immediately, Curley is going to host a panel for us, and one of the speakers on that is the guest you just had, Christopher Bro here, uh from the Australian Christian Lobby. Always delighted to partner with the Australian Christian Lobby whenever I can. They do probably better work than anybody else in Australia in politics. Um, but we're also going to have uh, Tom Kenyon from the Family First Party and a former Family First Senator, Bob Dade, now from the Australian Family Party. Uh, we're going to have... Um, uh, a uh, former federal circuit court judge um, who's uh, still a barrister and, and does a lot of activi- activism in this sp- space, uh, Stuart Lindsay. Uh, and, and that's going to be a fan. But we've also got James McPherson and uh, Todd Weatherly um, and, of course, uh, another person who is not shy of controversy, Senator Alex Antic.
0: Well, it is a great lineup, and no doubt listeners will be inspired hearing what those presenters have to say. We might be able to come back and uh, mention a few more names as we continue the conversation. Let me come back to something really important that you raised. You said if you're worried about going to a dry, boring political conference, well, you'll be impressed because you'll be talking about the Word of God. Uh, There is a scripture that you've identified and that you'll be drawing some things out of, and I think that you'll be personally drawing some things out of this, but it's Isaiah chapter 59, uh, verses 14 through 16. I might read that for listeners and uh, get your thoughts on the significance of a verse like this that comes from the prophet Isaiah. So from Uh, Isaiah 59, starting at verse 14, So justice is driven back, and righteousness stands at a distance. Truth has stumbled in the streets. Honesty cannot enter. Truth is nowhere to be found, and whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. A significant passage, Dave.
3: Yeah, and sometimes I get challenged that politics is beneath Christians. Uh, We belong to a a heavenly kingdom, a spiritual kingdom, uh, that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And and people will quote a lot of scriptures, and, and if I can... I guess, disrespect them for a second. Uh, they're misquoting those scriptures um, because they're ignoring scriptures like this from Isaiah, where God is, the prophet is saying, God is genuinely surprised and appalled when we don't roll up our sleeves and get involved in the practical justice and welfare of those neighbors that we're called to love in fulfillment of all the
0: law and prophets. So the church is not called to be apolitical. Uh, Definitely not. Yes, and I know those scriptures, and there might be listeners who might want to argue an opposite view, and we'll open our talkback lines in just a few moments and you'll be able to uh, call in and, as I often will say, make a critique for our conversation. That's mm. all fine, too. So one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen 316 316 to call in if you'd like to be a part of a conversation like this. Because just as we are heading towards another church and state summit, this time in Adelaide, Uh, the thought that the church should not be apolitical. And, of course, we're heading also towards a state election in the state of Victoria. Should the church be apolitical? Where is the voice of the church at a time like this? This feeling that you somehow rather need to be apolitical as a Christian, as you say, coming from some perhaps misrepresented verses. But when you, as you mentioned a little earlier, come from a place where there is objective truth. You can't actually have any policy. You can't actually plan a flourishing society without having some sort of objective truth, and that's what we bring to the table. Mm. If you don't bring it to the table, everybody's doing their own thing.
3: Well, it's really important in this question, should the church be apolitical, to define terms. So if we're working from the same definition, we we might get closer to some agreement if there's any disagreement currently. Uh, The word apolitical means not interested, not involved, and not significant in the important public discussions that are being held. Not interested, not involved, not significant. So on the question of abortion, should the church, the people of God, the carriers, the watchmen on the walls, uh, the carriers of, of his anointing and the message of his kingdom, should the people of God be not interested in the murder of innocent babies, not involved in defending them or, or the discussion about the merits? Not significant in, in shaping the policy. What about the definition of marriage? What about economic policy, the, the oppression, exploitation of, of vulnerable people, or the control manipulation and, and suppression of freedom in, in commerce? Like should we be apolitical, not interested, not involved, not significant? Is the Word of God silent on these things? If the Word of God is not silent, why should the people of God be silent? Uh, what I do agree the church should be is nonpartisan. That means we're not going to say God is blue, God is red, uh, God is on a particular side. Uh, Joshua chapter 5 illustrates the correct political posture perfectly. Uh, And that is when Joshua was outside the walls of Jericho, outside the city of Jericho, outside the camp of Israel, which is on a war footing getting ready to invade. And he's a soldier. He's a a strategic tactical thinker. And then all of a sudden he sees an armed man. Um, So it's just these two guys, these two Soldiers, both of them, uh, you know, fighters. And he does what any good soldier says. And are you friend or foe? He says to the man with the sword drawn, Are you for us or are you for our enemy? Are you liberal or are you labor? And God says, No. Uh, the man, <laughs> we, we don't yet know that he's the man, but uh, the man Joshua encounters with a sword says, No, I'm not on your side and I'm not on their side. I am the commander of the host of the Lord, the Lord's host. And Joshua prostrates himself, worships him and says, speak, because I'm listening. That's the correct political uh, posture for the church and for Christians. It's not that we're going to pick a side, but we are definitely in the fight. And the side we take in the fight is God's side. We want to know what he says, and we want to repeat
0: that. Interesting, isn't it, uh, that sometimes we've got to grapple with this? And when we're so secularly minded, uh, we think that the battle is only between two opposing sides. Here on earth. But you raise a really important scripture there because uh, the one there that confronted Joshua as the commander of the hosts of the armies of the Lord, uh, people will say there's a theophany. So there you have the presence of God appearing to Joshua, who is the leader of the Israelites. And in some sense, here we say we will bow the knee to the commander of the hosts of the armies of the Lord That's right. above the partisan politics that's here on earth.
3: And the really important thing to note in in this verse, of course, is that it seems God did take a side because one side was flattened and one side was victorious. Um, but uh, you know that that is to say that God isn't neutral in the debates and discussions that we're having. You know, when is it okay to take the life of an innocent living human in the womb? God has a position on that. Now, if Red Party or Green Party say, uh, you know, it's okay to kill people sometimes, and Blue Party agrees with God and says, actually, no, killing people's not okay, um, then it's okay for the church to say, uh, we're going to teach about this policy and what God says about this policy. And if that coincidentally benefits one party, well, that's because they're on the right side of God. Uh, and and that's exactly how the Christians should approach this thing. Yes, it's going to favor some parties, uh, and if they've got good policies that honor God, promote righteousness, justice, and truth, then so be it. That's what we want to encourage more of. A biblical
0: perspective on life, culture, and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. You might like to have your say. I often will say you might have a question, a comment, even a critique for the conversation. 1-800-316-316. Dave Pellow is our guest. We're talking through some issues ahead of this weekend's Church and State event that's on in Adelaide. Let's take a call before we move on. Let's hear from Bill, who's in Victoria. Hello, Bill. Welcome.
2: Oh, hello there. Really appreciate your program. Thank you very much for that. Uh, just some areas that I'm concerned about. Um, <clears throat> the previous Prime Minister <clears throat> was denying the fact that uh, uh, there's a lot of destruction being done to God's creation in terms of climate issues. I'm just concerned what what is being done in terms of holding accountable people who claim to be Christian, but then then proliferate lies and deceitfulness. we 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 had a a, Christ, a person call themselves a Christian in Scott Morrison. We've got a person who calls themselves Christian in Donald Trump in America. Both are lying about climate destruction in terms of God's creation. What are we doing about holding these people accountable in terms of their claims to be Christian, but doing things that are very anti Christ?
0: Now, that's an interesting way you're framing this, Bill. And let me just, uh, be, we'll get Dave's comment in just a few moments. Uh, It may be the case that people on two sides of a debate each have a similar aspiration for the good of community, but they pursue things in a way that they think will get there. Uh, Let me just bring Dave into this. Dave, uh, a couple of names mentioned there. Uh, Former Prime Minister Scott Morrison, uh, Donald Trump in the US, uh, you know, claims of being a Christian and not everyone agrees with them. Uh, Thoughts here for Bill?
3: Yeah, there's uh, there's plenty of places that i disagree with both of those men um donald trump was certainly somebody i thought was least favorite in god's mind to uh win the pre-selection for the republican nomination back in 2015 and uh turns out god had different ideas um and scripture's very clear that uh, every people wicked or not is is there by his appointment in the course of nations and and boundaries so uh, that doesn't mean he's an endorsement from God or or has an endorsement on his Christianity. Christianity is a journey and a spectrum of people who start by confessing they're imperfect, inadequate without God and journeying towards pleasing him. So you're going to find people more or less uh, distant from perfection, uh, who call themselves Christian. It's a, it's a bit like joining Alcoholics Anonymous. It's a support structure for people who want to stop sinning, uh, not for people who, who think they're perfect or some kind of holy club. So uh, Christian, therefore, is not a qualification for election uh, any more than it is to fix my toilet. Uh, when I have a blockage in my plumbing, I call a plumber. Uh, an expert, a professional, somebody who's qualified, and if he doesn't do a good job, he gets fired. It's exactly the same with somebody who calls himself a Christian and a politician. Um, I just don't care. It's like voting for somebody because they're white. Their identity doesn't qualify them for a job. Uh, and, and so so-called Christian, well, nobody should have voted for them because they called themselves that or wore that name badge. Uh, as to the climate issue, it's a really great issue to demonstrate. Uh, there is... Um, Uh, Two sides which can be argued from Scripture, and and the first thing to do is understand that in Christian unity, uh, we we have uh, unity in the essentials, uh, and climate change alarmism is not an essential Christian doctrine. Uh, Murder, uh, those things in the Ten Commandments, those are essential doctrines. Uh, We have unity in the non-essentials, though, Uh, I'm sorry, we have liberty in the non-essentials. That means uh, we're not going to call somebody not a Christian simply because they disagree with us politically. Disagreeing with God might be uh, something to judge their Christianity on, but disagreeing with us, not so much. So from a climate example, you could say, okay, uh, a four-lane highway is going to be destructive to the environment. Let's not do that because uh, God called us to care for creation. But Somebody else might say, yes, but a four-lane highway is going to help people get home to their families and stop spending Ten hours a week in traffic jams, um, and God's definitely in favour of family and connection and community. So uh, that's a good thing. There's there's two possible aspects. We can argue biblical wisdom from that, and and so that's where the third aspect of unity comes from. You've got uh, unity in the essentials, uh, liberty, uh, liberty in the non-essentials, but we need charity in all things. We need to love each other and and just allow for the debate uh, to happen and and actually. Put forward the the facts, pros and cons, and and look. I disagree with some people on on some policies, but I can't judge their faith based on that alone.
0: Bill, was that helpful? Uh,
2: y- y- yes, yes, it is. It is helpful. It, it's hard when uh, when such serious issues. I mean, we're seeing the destruction that's happening globally in terms of the climate issues, and so many lives are being affected by that. And uh, it's sad when. Uh, People who call themselves Christians deny deny these things and and side with the uh, big corporations that are doing cover-ups and it's it's very sad. I, I agree with you. We need to speak out when, when 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 so many people getting slaughtered or you know I mean the the um, climate issue is, is destroying in the in in Africa and lots of places. It's doing a lot of destruction. A lot of lives are being lost and I think we need to. We need to speak out on issues to do with justice, and if if the truth isn't being told by people in leadership, that needs to be called out. And and it's just Bill, that that I is. think
0: there's an awful lot of Christians uh, who think the way that you've described there. Uh, the thought that uh, oh, it's wonderful, a Christian has been elected to power. And then when they're let down, it's almost as though that's a, you know, there's a sideswipe to their own faith because they feel as though, uh, hang on, I voted for that person because they're a Christian and not necessarily because they had wonderful expertise in policy formation and in leading a nation. Dave, a quick follow-up on that sort of idea that, uh, you know, Christians will throw their hands up in the air and say, well, you know, if, if I voted for a Christian, they didn't get it right. Uh, I might not vote for anyone or I might not certainly might not vote for a Christian again.
3: Well, I hope you never vote for a Christian again. Um, and I've done a – I actually did one of my first episodes many years ago was with Matt Prater after he got – Uh, uh, persecuted by Kevin Rudd on the Q&A program. He got, you know, nailed as a pastor and um, Kevin Rudd was preaching all kinds of false teaching and heresy uh, about St. Paul advocating slavery, which is complete horse manure. Um, But, uh, you know, the... The reality is nobody should have ever voted for Kevin Rudd because he called himself a Christian. Nobody should have ever voted for Scott Morrison because he called himself a Christian, or anybody else, or me, or you know. You got to examine their policies, and and so don't ever vote for a Christian again. Vote for somebody who represents uh, the policies which you think best resonate with the Kingdom of God. And here's the important part of this entire thing: is is the charity question, the love question, and that is that somebody could be a. Pro, a taking an opposite policy position from you because of a different revelation they've got from God. And they're walking in all faithfulness, and they will give an account to their master, not you, not me, uh, for the way. So, uh, for example, the, the climate change question, deaths from climate change and climate extremes is something that Christians should be concerned about. But Uh, There's two different approaches to take. One is let's do whatever it takes to try and change the world climate, uh, and no matter how much it costs uh, and what it does to expenses, uh, jobs, economies, and and everything else like that. The other is the best way that humans have always uh, adapted to historic climate change extremes is by adaptation, and that is best done by prosperity, by lifting people out of poverty, giving them the ability to do more. So uh, just appreciating that somebody might have a different, still authentically Christian perspective and arrive at an opposite policy position is important to maintain and promote the unity of the body of
0: Christ. Let's take some calls quickly. 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Richard in Alstonville in New South Wales. Hi, Richard. Welcome. Uh, Hi, guys. Um, I had a question about um, policy. You mentioned before that um, you shouldn't vote for a, a um, politician based on whether they say they're a Christian or not. With with um, policy, I'm just trying to think of how to word this... Um, Oh, I think when, you, uh, when you're when you talking about Christians uh, and policy, uh, we usually expect a Christian to align with what we think is the biblical view of how a policy should be formed. And, of course, there's a process in developing policy, isn't there? Is that what you're trying to get at here, Richard? Yeah, well, more so to the fact of you've got the Prime Minister at the moment doing a lot of pol- policy based on um, he wants to appease all the voter circle. And should should a a Christian want to appease in everything they do? You know, from from just a godly point of view, or or do you have, you know, how where Jesus says being all things to all men? How do how do you relate that, uh, Dave Peller? Yeah, what are your property. thoughts here?
3: There are pragmatic realities in politics. Uh, And so I have to make this concession that politics is often described as the art of the possible as opposed to the perfect. Uh, And and so, you know, long story short, God advocates justice, mercy, truth, and Mm -hmm. wisdom. Uh, He doesn't advocate democracy. Uh, God's not a fan of monarchy or dictatorship or democracy. It might surprise some Christians. He's a fan of liberty and freedom and, and government has prescribed roles and boundaries, uh, and the Bible is very clear on what government's role is. However, we do live in a democracy, and so it's our opportunity and obligation imperative to steward that, like the the parable of the, the wise servant. Uh, one was given one talent, one was given five, one was given ten. And so we've got to take what God gives us, which includes the tools of democracy and the opportunities therein to achieve the most good possible. Uh, now, a classic example of, of the, uh, sometimes letting the perfect be the enemy of the good is the abortion debate. You will get some uh, pro-life people who are very well-meaning uh, and they're abolitionists. They won't agree to any legislation which reduces the harms of abortion if it doesn't ban abortion altogether. Uh, and that's the good. That's the perfect being the enemy of the good. That's denying the reality of politics. Which says uh, we have to achieve what's possible, uh, as opposed to standing on idealism and doing no good to anybody at whatsoever. Um, so, yeah, there is. I think compromise is the wrong word if it's said pejoratively, but in the art of diplomacy uh, and you know everybody giving a little bit so that we can advance, uh, compromise is probably a useful word.
0: I often like to <clears throat> think of the thought of uh, of two speeds and uh, really you've got to be able to check the context of who's doing what, because if I've got a guest on this program and we're talking about what God says about a particular issue, if it was abortion or uh, any number of other of those social ethical issues that we're grappling with, and if we don't come with a sound Christian worldview response to that, uh, then people would be confused. But the person who's in politics, they're on a slightly different trajectory because they're in amongst the rough and tumble of how that policy formation happens. And it seems to me, Dave Pellow, and getting your thoughts here, that when we are Christian and we are faithful to God, we have an aspiration for the perfect, perfect. but we don't always get there on the first go, but we are moving towards that. That would be why we've had such a wonderful Christianized nation in Australia, because that right from the time of colonialism uh, has grown to be the point where we've got this Christian foundation. Now it's being eroded, but there is this aspiration to the perfect. <clears throat>
3: I think we can be more ideological, uh, more idealistic is what I mean. We can be more idealistic as voters than we can as legislators. So legislators have to deal with the art of the possible. Uh, but one of the realities is that legislators are looking to be reelected. Uh, and so we can say here is the perfect and pressure them in that direction. Uh, and and that's useful to them because that then becomes an, an impetus to do better uh, and and when we have enough of us putting that pressure on them saying I'm not going to vote for you if you don't uh, uh, hold the line and and defend what's good um, they can take that back to their party room and use it to increase the scope of, of what's possible uh, so in our public conversations on social media platforms and, and in our conversations privately with political candidates and incumbents uh, I think we can pursue the perfect but at the same time uh, we can't dismiss them as entirely spineless and weak uh, if they prioritise re-election uh, above perfect policy. Um, and and look, sometimes they are totally weak and spineless, and and that's worth voting against. It's not to say it doesn't happen. It, it's probably proliferated and common. Uh, But there is a degree of reality to the fact that we can't achieve everything. And this is the topic today. We can't achieve everything in one election cycle. Uh, There's a degree of faithfulness needing to persist and persist and persist and not grow weary in doing good.
0: And as you say, uh, God is king. So when we're talking about God, we're talking about kingdom. Mm. And so democracy is not the same as kingdom. We get the feeling that somehow or other, because we live in a democracy, and this is how we're built to understand the way things happen, that somehow or other we can be democratic before God. Actually, no, his truth is much more solid than that. It's not changing. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so when we are in this democracy an opportunity to have a robust debate that builds towards a better and a flourishing nation then we are actually then able to argue our case in there for what will make the best nation that i think is where we're, we're talking about these things richard in alstonville thank you so much for your call let's take another call straight away sterling is in ararat in victoria hi sterling welcome
2: Thanks, Neil. Hi, Dave. Look, I just want to make a couple of very quick points. The first one is I want to pick up on a previous caller who said that Scott Morrison's claiming to be a Christian but doesn't behave like it as Prime Minister. Well, ScoMo doesn't need me to stick up for him, but I believe Scott Morrison is a Christian. I believe he's saved, and I believe fundamentally he's a good man. But we don't want his faith to drive his decisions, just influence them. In the same way... um, do you want someone like Alan Joyce from Qantas to become Prime Minister and do to all of Australia what he's done to Qantas? That's the first point. And secondly, Dave, good on you, mate, and God
0: bless you for what you're doing. We need more Margaret Courts and Israel for Laos in this country, not less. Wonderful stuff. Uh, Dave, your thoughts for Sterling?
3: Um, yeah, thanks, Sterling. Look, I I, actually, I don't know if we disagree or agree, but let me just articulate something, uh, and that is that I do want politicians to tell us who they are, what they stand for, and live or die by their convictions and, and character. Uh, I, I want them to not run the country by a straw poll or uh, populism. I want them to run the country, their electorate, their vote in parliament with their conscience uh, and, and their convictions. And then if they do not have a godly conscience and they won't live up to those convictions, and, and Scott Morrison was not faithful to his convictions, uh, certainly not Christian ones. On on questions of abortion and, and personal liberty, uh, he did what was popular, uh, and he blew like a windsock in whatever direction uh, prevailed. And, and I would rather have had him lose because he was a... A faithful Christian implementing righteousness and justice in the nation, um, then lose because he couldn't convince anybody of the position. It's because he couldn't do the most popular thing. It, it, popularity doesn't matter, uh, and this is the this is why we have to be the wind in the sails, the imprimatur for uh, Christian politicians. Like I want Christian politicians, um, but uh, at the same time. We can get any populist politician who cares about their career to blow in the direction of righteousness and justice simply by understanding how democracy works. And and so, yeah, I want people – what I love about Labor is they say what they mean and they do what they say, and they will stand up and defend the worst ideas with passion. I know who they are and what they stand for, and I can vote accordingly. I just wish uh, more people would be that honest uh, and then – and and then really implement and lead the nation, not just follow from the front.
0: Sterling in Ararat, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line remains open on one eight hundred 316 Let's see if we can get to the heart of what we've begun to talk about, and that is faithfulness. And we're talking about here the faithfulness of believers because, interesting, as you were saying, Dave, populist politicians will uh, set their, uh, their own sails according to where they think the wind is blowing. And if the Christian believer is not faithful to God and to standing up and loving their community in a certain way, then that populist politician is not going to hear from them. If, is he or she?
3: No, uh, politics, democratic politics, is very much like uh, a supermarket. Uh, they're going to put on the shelves whatever people are going to buy. And, and so if you want a product that's not on the shelf, you need to demonstrate there's a market for it. They're not going to buy uh, 10 pallets of widgets that are going to cost them money and, and nobody's going to – everybody will go to – but if they're going to lose business, if people are going to go to Coles instead of Woolies because Coles has the, the the product and services that they want – and the other people don't, then that's what they will offer. It's very, very commercial, and that's what politics, unfortunately, is like, that populism is is very, very commercial. And it's the same. If, if we demonstrate that there's a market for justice and righteousness and wisdom and truth, uh, then we can get more politicians, whether they're Christian or not, interested in supplying that product in our parliaments. And the reality is that... Uh, the whole culture of Australia is reflected by the Parliament, and so if we want the parliamentary uh, character and fabric to change, we actually need to change the culture of Australia. We need to turn more hearts back towards God, uh, more uh, people to to understand uh, and to be better. We we need Australians to be better people, and and that is most excellently done, most um, consistently done, effectively is the word I'm looking for, uh, by simply acknowledging the lordship of Jesus Christ and and bringing our lives into agreement with him. And when we get our lives and thinking and voting into agreement with God, that will be a big impact on the type of politicians and parliaments
0: that we get. Faithfulness for the individual, uh, there's that level of faithfulness which we think about for the person who wants to stand as a candidate, who wants to be in the parliament, and what I think I can hear you saying is uh, it is a good thing if someone actually does have that Uh, that ethos about them but not just as a cultural call me by name a christian but i just don't think deeply about things and apply the word of god to what i really think is ethically Uh, we need to have mature christian believers who are in the parliament but let's not talk about so much those who might stand to be candidates but about what where the, the strength comes from the masses how you get the believer to understand that faithfulness to God is going to be something important in the way that they will actually be faithful in the way that they vote. And we've talked about this now even for a number of years, Dave, the thought that somehow or other Christians don't always vote according to their own conscience. But this is part of the faithfulness of the Christian believer uh, wanting the best for their community.
3: Ultimately, what we're talking about with faithfulness is Consistently being salt and light, and this is how we change parliaments, by changing politicians, by changing culture, is by simply being faithful. So if you're an educator, then you can help redeem the education system by holding fast to that which is true and right and refusing to teach or regurgitate the evil propaganda that's coming out. You and if you can rise through the ranks and become a policy setter in the education department, uh, a trainer and equiper of of future teachers, um, then you get you get you can do this in the arts by making movies. You can do this. In uh, uh, science, by by just sticking to what is true and not with character and integrity, not doing what is popular according to peer pressure and being afraid of people calling you not an expert, but but risking it all and, and being faithful to God in that, uh, you can do this by in whatever industry uh, or sphere that you're in, I- impacting culture that way. Now, this is something that we can learn from the left on from. Wickedness, Marxist, the, the sexual revolution with their uh, indoctrination of abortion and childcare and contraception and uh, sex without consequences. Uh, they have, in in so many areas, critical race theory, critical gender theory. They have been infiltrating, playing by the rules, infiltrating the the systems and institutions of the world for decades if not forever then certainly from the 50s there's been a concentrated effort on their part on the part of wickedness and god opposed ideas to just turn up just turn up participate and vote and and you know we abandon the liberal party in droves because they don't reflect us well the fact is they need saving the the reason we should turn up At Liberal Party membership meetings and and pre-selections is not because we support them, but because they need saving uh, from the infiltration that has come from the other. To abandon them is to just give them over to the enemy. And so faithfulness uh, requires a vision further than your feet. We have to see past the tip of our nose and all the way to the horizon. And even with the eyes of wisdom and understanding beyond the horizon, what happens if we just keep turning up for the next 50 years? What happens 50 years from now if we don't?
0: And I think you're saying turn up in person, Uh, not just turn up online, uh, not just turn up on uh, on a social media platform, but turn up in person. Uh, eyeballing somebody. Yeah, uh, yeah.
3: Living living in our own echo chambers, that's what they are, uh, the four walls of a church, um, we actually have to take salt and light out to the community um, because otherwise it's the proverbial
0: under the bed, under the bushel. It's, it's no use. Let's take one more call. Mel is in Queensland. Hi, Mel. Welcome. Uh, yes, good morning. I think I've
1: been following some of the conversation and I guess what I'd like to add to it is that when I'm out and about and talking to believers, is that I, I really believe that um, behaviours and attitudes can change when you ask them, are you ready for the rapture? If the Lord Jesus Christ turned up tonight, tomorrow, in a month or a week, are you ready? You know, uh, c- Could you stand and say that all your actions have been faithful and have been godly? And I must admit there are times where I feel quite disappointed that there's apathy and silence. And I encourage people that if they feel anxious to take a step of speaking up by themselves, is to do it in a group or perhaps do it as a petition or something, but do it as a group. But um, doing a, but just remaining silent is, is, is not helpful and, and may actually be reinforcing some very uh, destructive policies and practices out there. Thanks.
0: Mel, you raise a very interesting and good point uh, and interesting when you talk about the rapture. And uh, for some, they'll say, that is my inspiration uh, for being salt and light, uh, for doing good and doing the right things and being faithful to God. Others will say, uh, because I'd be expecting a rapture any moment, Perhaps I'll just throw my hands up in the air and say, "Well, K, uh, serrah serrah, whatever oh. will be, will be." And uh, if I'm going to be raptured away, why would I worry about being an activist? Uh, thoughts here along what Mel is uh, is communicating.
3: Yeah, the, the former group you describe, uh, Christian and Christ-like, and the second group, are haters, uh, despicable Christians. I mean, how dare you withhold the the love and and gifts? And good things that God has for your neighbours. Martin Luther, the reformer, said, uh, If I knew for a fact that Jesus was coming back tomorrow, I would plant an apple tree. Uh, And he's talking about the fact that we should always live like Jesus is coming for tomorrow and still not uh, forget about the fact uh, that we don't know the day or hour. and, And... and we should live with the imminency, the expectation of the imminency of, of Christ's return. Uh, but our obligation is, is certainly to uh, uh, you know, be good servants, loving our neighbors and not sitting on our hands warming a pew.
0: Mel in Queensland, thanks so much for your call Great contribution And Mel, I can see you are the sort of person who is going to be out there Sharing these things of truth and of righteousness And thank you so much for being a participant in this conversation Time is running out, Dave Pello. You've got the Church and State event that's happening on this Saturday in Adelaide I just want to mention too that there's another one coming up in Dalby, in Queensland, that one coming up on the twenty-sixth of November, and so for listeners, just quickly on that Dolby event, uh, for those who are in southeast Queensland, uh, northern New South Wales, uh, you want to travel a little way, uh, these local events have become very significant on the on the calendar.
3: They are, yeah, and uh, I, I invite, um, I guess, people all around Australia to. Uh, Get in touch and and see how we can do something in your neck of the woods. Um, We need to cover costs and and we will customise uh, an event to suit your town and your community and and the churches there. Uh, We always want to partner with a, a church and local believers and not just rock up and put on a show. Uh, so we're looking for ways that we can serve the church in, in every city. Uh, but Dolby is going to be great. We're going to have uh, some some uh, academics from Christian Heritage College talking about uh, Sandra, Dr. Sandra Good, I think actually might be masters, but um, talking about uh, transhumanism. She's written a book on the t- topic, uh, very pertinent right now, uh, one of the agendas of the World Economic Forum. Uh, we're also going to have Rob Norman, uh, the political director for Queensland and New South Wales and ACT. Uh, he'll be coming and he'll be talking about some of the things that Christopher Brohee was talking about, the the attack on freedom of religion, especially in education, where that's um, about to be illegal, not just in Northern Territory, but also Western Australia and uh, Queensland, where, uh, you know, so really important conversations. Um, and, uh, yeah, Dolby's going to be a great event.
0: So it's not just a little bit of sensationalism. This is the reality, the things that are changing in our culture today as we speak. And you can be informed about these things, that Dolby event in Queensland on the 26th of November. But for those who are listening in South Australia, you might be wanting to plan something special, to be there at the Church and State event this Saturday, the 5th of November. That'll be in the Adelaide CBD and uh, we mentioned there's a lineup of keynote speakers it'll be uh, not only uh, entertaining but it'll be very informative and you'll get to hear from those passionate christian leaders about what is happening in the nation right now and Uh, No doubt they'll be alerting everyone who's attending that conference uh, with uh, uh, ways that they can actually take some sort of action uh, to try and help to shape the future in a good way. So churchandstate.com.au is the website to go to churchandstate.com.au. And I should mention too the goodsource.news website too because Dave Pellow is the publisher of the right-thinking website, The Good Source. He's also got an initiative called Lock Press, helping conservative authors self-publish their books. So Good goodsource.news. And uh, to get your ticket for the Church and State Summit churchandstate.com.au. Dave Pello, thanks so much for coming in and sharing your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020.
3: Thank you, Neil.
1: Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.